Kansas City Chiefs have a new slash old running back, and decisions have been made that are going to affect that particular position going forward today with Matt Derrick from ChiefsDigest.com. We will attack it on Locked on Chiefs. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked on Chiefs podcast. Welcome back, friends and neighbors. It is post-draft day two. Things are still changing. They just never kind of end around this franchise. Lots of news in terms of the running backs. We're going to talk about what that affects and what's going on at Arrowhead with Matt Derrick from ChiefsDigest.com, where you can get all your updated information. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics and Performance Consulting, where hopefully you checked out the draft guide and the athletic matrix. If not, you can still check them if you like. There's still a discount going. It's Matrix LOC. Um, and you can still get information at NFL 33 NRGR football, but thanks for making us your first listen. Make sure you check out another lockdown show for your next listen. Cause we're here five days a week on every show, everywhere on every platform. So make sure you like something, hit the bell over on YouTube. Cause that's where you can see Matt's shining face. And, uh, this monstrosity that I call a chin, and we're going to get into taking one on the chin. And some people might interpret that as exactly what happened when the chiefs forego uh, Clyde Edwards, Alaire's fifth-year option, Matt. That's the news of the day. We'll tie into to some other things there, but this felt like it was a decision kind of already made. Didn't surprise me, but still, for the player coming back into the room, into the building, and trying to adjust, that's got to be a pretty bitter pill, pill to swallow. Yeah, and you know, and we we don't know exactly when Clyde was told the decision. Um, you know, it could have been a while ago. It, it could have been Monday or Tuesday. I mean, it, you know, the Chiefs and Clyde haven't told us when he was communicated. But yeah, I mean, the the Chiefs. It was a, it was a foregone conclusion that I think everybody expected, and, and certainly I think Clyde and his representation probably expected. Um, had the Chiefs exercised his fifth year option for twenty twenty four, his salary next season would have been almost five point five million. And with Clyde where he is on the depth chart right now, which is either second or third, depending on maybe how you look at it and parse it out, um, that's too much either way. So wasn't going to happen. Um, doesn't mean that Clyde could not be back with the Chiefs next year. I mean, all doors are open. Um, right now, he's under contract to the Chiefs for 2023. And so barring a trade or any other move, I mean, he's going to be with the Chiefs. And as Brett Veach said on Monday, they're pretty, they're excited but to still have Clyde part of the mix. Uh, said he saw him in the building on Monday. It was the first player he ran into after the draft on Monday and that he looks in tremendous shape. I mean, yeah, we've heard that before. But I think it's always been a case that if Clyde can stay healthy, he can be a good player. It's just the staying healthy thing has been a real problem for him. Um, hey, maybe he leaves after Kansas City and a, a change of scenery does him well. But right now, I mean, it's at least the decision. Chiefs have Clyde at least under control for one more year, and we'll see where they go from there. And he's just part of what is a bigger piece. Obviously, Isaiah Pacheco coming in like gangbusters last year and kind of taking over that role. I think it's viable that Clyde can still be the the change change of pace is probably more more like the McKinnon role. We'll talk about him in the next segment, folks. Don't worry. Um, but Clyde being the two B or the you know the number two to then switch it up, I, I do think we can still see a similar split in terms of touches for Isaiah and Clyde this next year. But Clyde being on the on the lower half, that's still a valuable commodity. The the backup, the two running backs, especially in a system. That's a tendency to run, what, 68 plays a game was average last year. That's a pretty heavy workload. I, I do think that unless there's some kind of um, competitive spirit that isn't there because of the situation, 
The Clyde's a guy that could still be productive in 2023 and help the team move along. Well, and let's remember, I mean, can, can anyone remember the last time the Chiefs running back made it through an entire season intact? Um, I, I think maybe Spencer Ware did it one year, but even then I, I want to say maybe he only played like 14 games. I mean, in the modern NFL, that's the running back position. You're going to go through a couple of them through the year. So, I mean, if you had to ask me right now, what are the odds that Isaiah Pacheco starts 17 games in 2023? I think it's pretty low because just most NFL backs don't seem to do that anymore. Um, having Clyde around is invaluable. I mean, there's no reason to believe that that Clyde couldn't have success if he if he were to get back in there and to step in for Pacheco. Or, um, I mean, it's still technically open competition. I mean, you know, Clyde could have a terrific camp and maybe he wins the job back. You never know. Um, but you're right. I mean, as far as we'll get into McKinnon, but I think that's a whole separate question. I mean, it's it's really more about, you know, where Clyde is in relationship to Isaiah and maybe even anybody else that fans might get excited about in that backfield that may be added in the future. Um, but right now, I think a lot of it is probably out of Clyde's hands. I mean, it, it's probably dependent on external forces. And like I said, you know, being able to step in for an injury. If you've got Clyde Ed, Clyde Edwards-Alaire as your backup running back in a spot like that, spot pretty good. A lot of teams would be pretty happy with. I would think so too. Um, just taking a step back, coming right off of the draft, this was a, I would say, controversial pick at the time. Maybe that, maybe that's overhyping it a little bit. But coming off of the national championship, Clyde Edwards-Alaire was a pretty hot name. Chiefs ended uh, up going first round running back, which I think, in retrospect. Hasn't worked out in this situation. Rarely works out overall. And I don't think we're going to see the Chiefs do that again in this regime. But if you had to go back now, what would you caution them with yay versus nay on that situation several years ago? Yeah, it's a really good question because, you know, go back to, to when that selection was made. And, and I think you could do a lot of 2020 hindsight. But remember, I mean, the Chiefs didn't necessarily have an obvious need at that spot at any spot i mean you know i mean that's why there was a lot of question and honestly once again you know we talked about it this past weekend about the chiefs and trying to trade out of 31 um they would have loved to have traded out of out of that 32 spot back in 2020 and picked up more picks they just couldn't find a partner so when it came down to it it was hey who's 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 the best player on the board Who's the best fit? How do we think we can make this work? And and their belief at the time was that Clyde was that Brian Westbrook type, you know, somebody who could catch the football out of the backfield, who could do a lot of different things. And I, I think that the caution here would probably be to just take a look at the running back, take a look at the the, the whole field, because the tape can tell you one thing, but the metrics and the body size told us something else about Clyde and that has actually won out because looking at, at, at Clyde's size and, and all of those things, they tell you he was going to have a tough time holding up to a 16 or 17 game season, much less postseason. on top of that. And that has been the downfall of, of Clyde. So, you know, to a certain degree, I mean, I think it is about how you do have to take a look at athleticism and durability and body size and body type because that i think was always going to be the concern with clyde was whether or not he could hold up to the rigors of an nfl season and that has been his bugaboo and it comes down to looking at who's on the board and if you want to know who's on the boards 
that could come in handy right about now because every fast break, every offensive rebound is counting right now in the NBA playoffs. It's FanDuel. That's where you want to go to get in on the action because right now they're giving you <clears throat> new customers a no-sweat first bet for up to $1,000 in bonus bets when your first one does not win. That's it. $1,000 in bonus bets is your capability of earning back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win at FanDuel right now. Got to be a, a first-time new user, but that's okay. There's no better place to get into the action than America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel.com slash on. You can see it right down here. It is the place to go to get that no-sweat first bet for up to that $1,000 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash on at FanDuel, the official sportsbook betting partner of the NBA, uh, the MLB, and the NFL. Now, as I massacre that baseball organization's name, um, no one cares. It's just baseball. Right, folks? <laughs> anyway, yesterday's news that looks like it's been culminated this afternoon that was augmenting back towards the standard. They're bringing back Jarek McKinnon. It looks like it's a done deal. It looks like the announcement's been made. And so now you have pretty much the backfield that we saw down the stretch for the Chiefs last season. That, for me, is a run back situation that actually helps Yes, they can sprinkle in some new blood, but having the three-headed monster with Clyde, Isaiah, and now Jarek, that I think sets not only Mahomes and Andy Reid at ease, but it sets me at ease, Matt. Does that make you comfortable, or is the age factor uh, an issue here? Well, I mean, I think I think you do have to worry uh, at some point about metaphorically the wheels falling off of Jarek McKinnon, because even last year, I mean, Andy Reid told me he's a dinosaur uh, at his age. To be doing what he's doing, I mean, having career years at you know post thirty, I mean, that's significant, and especially with all of the injuries that Jerick McKinnon has had, and because you usually don't see guys at with that combination with his age, with his injury history, still getting it done and being as as good as ever, you know, at this point in their careers. I think this is going to be his eighth uh, season this year. I mean, that's getting up there. I mean, and. Go try and find another you know running back who is as productive as Jarek McKinnon is in today's NFL. Eight years in, yeah, you're not going to find it. Um, so yeah, I do think you have to you know worry that at some point he's going to lose a step and then he just won't be the same. Um, didn't show any signs of that last year, and he has a role that he's not getting run into the ground. I mean, he's never really had that role in his career where he's had a team that's just going to give him 350 touches and leave him out there to twist in the wind. Uh, and the Chiefs aren't doing that either. I mean, you know, you've got Isaiah Pacheco who's going to be your first and second down guy. You've got McKinnon who's going to come in and be the guy that catches passes and, you know, third down guy, and he, he can protect your quarterback a little bit. Um, you've got Clyde who can come in and pick up a couple of drives of his own so the Pacheco doesn't have to, you know, carry the full load. Uh, but, you know, Clyde's there as a backup as well. I would expect that they're probably going to carry another running back. I mean, we'll also see how they address the fullback situation and, you know, and deal with that. And and maybe that's dealt with the tight end room or the chiefs just move on. And and I'm sorry to say, you know, Ryan, for your sake, that the, the fullback position just becomes a ghost, um, but they've still got some work and they still got some things to figure out, but you're right. I mean, to have those top three guys, at the top of your list going into the season, that would be the way you'd want it to sack. Yeah, I, I can understand that. And folks, you'll hear some of my frustration tomorrow as well. Uh, Thursday show is going to be a, a quick rundown 
of the AFC West, the other team's draft grades, and who they stole from me in one way or another, every team in this division. I hope you'll tune in for that. It should be kind of fun and hopefully cathartic for me. Uh, the running back position, I think, is evolving on this team. And I think the H-back role could become that fullback thing as much as I, as I don't like it. But the other guy that's been brought in recently to fill out that room and give another option is Daenerys Prince, a guy that runs a lot like Isaiah Pacheco, to tell you the truth. Um, vision's a little bit something you got to work on. Certainly pass protection is something he has to work on. Has that upright style that Pacheco runs with as well. Is that a battering ram type addition? Somebody to take the load off of Pacheco between the tackles that can then be used in the short yardage situations? Yeah, it could be. And I'm glad you touched on that because that's one thing that, you know, even Pacheco, I, I don't think really showed last year was the strongest club in his bag, which is the short yardage situations. I mean, you would like to have a battering ram that can get you that one yard just when you need it on third and one or fourth and one, especially in the Chiefs offense when you don't want to run even the, the quarterback push play, um, unless maybe Blake Bell is the guy you're pushing. Right. But yeah, I mean, you, you'd like to have somebody who could do that because, uh, like I said, I mean, Pacheco, even though he he and Denary Prince are a little bit similar in that respect, hasn't really shown that to be, you know, one of his better skills. So if Prince can do that, that would be, I think, a nice get, especially because, you know, your hammer really the last couple of years has been Mike Burton and you don't have that guy anymore. So you are looking, I think, for a short yardage back, somebody who can run between the tackles and just get some tough yards when needed. You'd rather, I think, prefer that not have to be Pacheco. I mean, you know, I think in today's NFL, you know, that's you'd like to save that guy. Clyde, you know, is a little bit too small to be that guy. So I think that's a lot to ask from him. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think your, your Chiefs, you are looking for somebody who's a little bit more physical. I hope that that's the way that it works out. Physicality is certainly one thing that I think they could use in a number of positions. We're going to talk about where this stands. What, what, what's the vibe? Where is this team going? Right now, it's rookie uh, training camp, or I'm sorry, invite camp, the tryout season. We're going to give you a preview of that on Friday, and we'll have a little bit more idea there. But on the backside of this, where is this team mentally right now coming off the Super Bowl and the draft, and what are they prepared to do? And this is always my favorite kind of year, Matt, because obviously you come off of the championship. Everybody's everybody's up. Everybody enjoys the parade, well, unless you're Clyde. And then you come back, and all of a sudden, that's all out the window. And the last time you were in the building, everything was, you know, rainbows and sunshine. And now it's like, oh, I got to get back to work. You know, welcome back to the training room. Let's get on the practice field. I think sometimes that can be a shift of gears that's a little difficult for the younger players. The veterans, I don't think that they they have to worry about that too much. But we've seen a fairly good departure of veteran players this offseason. So in your mind, right now where the team sits, is this an advantage that there's more youthful enthusiasm, uh, maybe for a, for a lack of understanding the grind that you're in for again? Um, or is this, hey, we, we really should do something to shore up some of the, the veteran aspect of the leadership that we need going into this season? Yeah, it's a good question. And, you know, and we had we had even addressed a little bit during the draft talk over the weekend about, you know, the, the Chiefs going into this draft with 10 players, you know, 10 selections and, you know, and that maybe not really needing to come out with that because, you know, they didn't have that many holes to fill. Well, you know, I mean, looking back at it, I mean, Chiefs are losing eight players via free agency that played significant snaps for them and five starters. So they do have holes to fill. 
But you're right. I mean, this team is getting younger, um, consistently younger. They're going to add more youth this year, too. So I, I do. I, I think for a lot of reasons, that's good. I mean, one, I think we saw the benefit of the youth movement last year, mm-hmm. which is that makes you faster. Um, there's no doubt. I mean, sometimes youth is going to lead to mistakes, but speed can eliminate mistakes sometimes or, you know, erase them. So I, that's a good thing. I mean, and 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 I've got some questions about, you know, obviously all the young guys from last year are going to get tested in a different way this year. And you need to see how they respond to that. But I think it, I think it helps everybody. I mean, I think it even helps this coaching staff. And and I know Andy, I think Andy Reid is is with me. I mean, I'm I love rookie minicamp weekend almost more than any other week of the year uh, because, you know, it's, you get all the new guys in, you get the rookies, you know, the draft picks before they've been jaded and uh, <laughs> beaten down <laughs> by, you know, the, 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 the talking points and what they can and can't say. And they, they just, you know, their eyes are still wide open and dewy. So it's fun to see that, but then you get the tryout guys, you know, um, you know, guys from smaller schools who are coming in and get to see their, I mean, and watching these guys just have fun and playing football. And then on top of that, watching the coaches get to teach. I mean, mm-hmm. this rookie minicamp weekend is about, it's about teaching and evaluating. I mean, they're trying to teach these guys how to play NFL football and how to pick up an offense in three days. It's a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, and, and even though I know, I think Andy Reid every all year he says, well, you know, at times it resembled actual football out there. Um, and there's a lot of mistakes and he, I know he probably scratches his head every once in a while watching the mistakes. I still think he has fun teaching because that's, that's the thing he loves the most. And I think it helps everybody kind of this weekend kind of, you know, get their juices going and everything. So I, I, I love this weekend, but I, I think you're right. I mean, as far as you just talk about this team getting younger in general, I think it's a good thing. I mean, I, I, like I said, there are going to be growing pains with going to a youth movement. I mean, I think the Chiefs are still in the midst of that. Um, but there's a lot of upside to it, too. Yeah. And I think it helps foster some enthusiasm from the coaching staff. We saw a couple of new wrinkles here. Um, some things that were a little more animated than we're used to. Maybe a couple of things, a couple of selections in particular that when it happened, there were wasn't a whole lot of, of energy in the Chiefs draft room. And I think whenever you get those little glimpses inside the process, maybe it's just the fact that you're you're you've got something else that you were trying to accomplish that you weren't able to. But on the whole, when you're reading the room in the facility about where they're at having come through this weekend, what's what's the the idea that you're getting? Yeah, I tell you what, I mean, the vibe that, that the front office is really giving off uh, from the draft is that they're pretty pleased with how things went, especially the first four rounds. Um, the first round was interesting in that, I mean, you know, Brett Veach is, is kind of split it out here, but let's parse it out. I mean, the Chiefs wanted to move up. They were trying to get into the, the early 20s. Uh, they didn't want to go any further than that, but they felt like they get into the early 20s, they could gotten the person that they wanted. And and I think you can extrapolate that they wanted to go get a receiver. Um, wanted to go to exact spot where four straight teams took a receiver. Mm-hmm. So they clearly had some difficulties. They had a backup plan, which was to get somebody else. And I'm pretty sure that was not Felix. Um, I think they wanted they were targeting some of the other guys who were starting to fall a little bit. Um, I be, I truly believe that the Chiefs had somebody who was one of their top 15 guys. They would have probably tried to move heaven and earth to get into the mid 20s to get one of those players. 
So you're probably meaning that we're talking about maybe a, a, a player that or two, uh, multiple players that the Chiefs liked but didn't feel like they were a, necessarily a top 15 pick, that this was maybe a top 25 pick, that at 25 would be an appropriate pick, but it wasn't worth giving up something to go there and just get equal value. I mean, because remember, I mean, if if you're trading up to go from 31 to 25, you're not just exchanging, you're giving up something, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you're giving up, let's say a fourth round pick, well, do you want to give up a fourth round pick just to get at 25, a player that you value at 25? I mean, that's not, that's not the definition of making a good deal. So, you know, it, it certainly seemed that by the time that, you know, the Bills pick got around by 27, the Chiefs were done. They were like, hey, we're sitting back because the backup plan all along was Felix Anadike Uzama, was that this was the guy that they felt like was going to be there at 31. Mm -hmm. And if he was there and they stood pat, that was fine with them. And then they had a plan, which was if that's what happens, then they wanted Rasheed Rice in the second round. And they were aggressive. They moved up and they got him. They get to the third round and they're like, okay, do we take Wanya Morris or do we take Shamari Connor? They decide to take Morris. Then Connor's there in the fourth round. They're able to make the deal and get back up and get the guy that they were thinking about taking in the third. So they really got what they wanted there. And, and even in the, in the last couple of rounds, in five, six, and seven, they're still pretty pleased. I mean, you know, B.J. Thompson was somebody that they really looked hard at, um, really loved the upside of him. I think they had him in for one of their top 30 visits. Um, that's a pretty good indication of, of how much they liked that guy and, and were interested in him. Uh, and the depth of the cornerback group. I mean, getting Nick Jones at the end of the seventh, I mean, cornerback was the deepest position in this draft and they were able to get a guy with decent size that fits what they want to do um you know there's not going to be a lot of pressure on him because there's a lot of guys in front of him but you're talking about a developmental practice squad guy that's a good get in the seventh round so um i don't think there's any doubt i mean chiefs chiefs seem inside the building very pleased with how this draft went especially the first four rounds but i, I think they're happy with all seven picks I want to go back to one pick that you mentioned briefly, um, and that is B.J. Thompson, because he's a departure from what we've seen this organization take under Spag's rule. He is more of a Cullen guy in terms of a 3-4 base type player. Do you see that as, as a shifting of the philosophy of this defensive staff as a whole, or is that just the fact that uh, Joe Cullen's able to talk everybody into, hey, I see this trait that we could really take advantage of, if we bring them along correctly? That's a great question because I think it might be, I don't think it's the changing or revolving approach to, to drafting or how you select those guys there. I do wonder if it may be, it's just a melding of approaches because I'm with you. I mean, you know, that's the kind of guy that does seem like he really fits a, 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 a Joe Cole and a, a you know model and everything like that is a a speed aggressive get up the field fast kind of guy that Colin really loves, but then the first thing you hear the scouts talking about when you come in the room to talk about him is that well the great thing about him is that he can add on another twenty pounds and all of a sudden you know he's more of a Steve Spagnolo <laughs> defensive end so yeah I mean I think that it'll be interesting to me to see how they do go about with B.J. Thompson because. If they leave him as is, I mean, he's going to be a speed rusher that I think Joe Cullen can do some things with. The question is going to be if they bulk him up a little bit, how much of that speed does he maintain in exchange?
range for, you know, being a little more physical on the edge and then all of a sudden becoming a little bit more of a, you know, a run setter rather than, like you said, I mean, as a three, four, maybe a guy that would be dropping back a little bit more because he's, he's a heck of an athlete. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, and you know, and you're right. I mean, there's some place he's listed as a linebacker because he is kind of more of a three, four kind of guy. But then, you know, also when it was at Baylor, the guy blocked three different kicks. I mean, he's, he's a long lean athlete. And I think Dave Tobe's going to get some use out of that too. Yeah, absolutely. You got to hope so. Uh, one, that's one place where this team can improve pretty markedly is on the special team. So uh, let's hope that they pull that off. Now, again, folks, tomorrow we're going to go over what the AFC West did and who committed the biggest crime against yours truly. And maybe the, the organization we all love and, and talk about. But uh, Friday, we'll be previewing the, the rookie group. Matt will have information for us next week on those rookies. We'll see what happens. Matt, do you, any uh, any sleepers you have your eye on this weekend? I definitely want to see Prince in person to see what 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 he's up to and everything. But uh, I tell you what, I mean, Jack Truman, that kid from Harvard, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really curious about, too. I mean, I really want to see the the athletic piece of that, because, uh, you know, again, another guy doesn't really fit the the model and might might be tough size wise. But the, the 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 measurables are there. The testing numbers are there. So let's see what he's got. Yeah, that's where I'm coming from, too. And one more guy, folks. I'll tell you more about him on Friday, but uh, Carvin, the lineman from Tennessee. Uh, A lot of interesting snap counts there that you want to look at in terms of different positions as an interior swing. Just something to keep an eye on. So, Matt, thanks for your insight and giving us the idea of what's going on inside the organization. We appreciate it. Always a blast, Ryan. Take care, everybody. You guys have a great day. We'll be back with you tomorrow so I can complain. I hope that you'll join us then. We'll talk to you.